Welcome to episode one of the Hip Hop Raise Me podcast. Listen, this is historic. This is a massive moment. And I just want to thank everybody for joining us and listening in right now. I'm going to start off the season the right way. I'm going to start off the season with one of the greatest, one of the greatest MCs of all time. He co-founded the group Public Enemy, which is one of the greatest bands of all time, any genre. All right, I'm saying that it's a fact, any genre. Public Enemy is one of the greatest groups of all time. Now, they're a hip-hop act that define the culture. They've inspired everyone from your favorite rapper to a former US president. They've released 15 albums, completed 40 world tours, more than that. They've, they've toured the world 40 times over. That's crazy. Every continent, pretty much every country. Now, their influence can be seen everywhere. It's all over films, all over TV shows. Terminator 2, the main character, John Connor, had a Public Enemy t-shirt throughout the film. American Gangster, you can hear Can't Trust It by Public Enemy being played at the end when the, the, main, the main character comes out of prison. Central Intelligence, a film with The Rock and Kevin Hart. The Rock is wearing a Public Enemy t-shirt throughout the film. Yellow t-shirt with a black logo, the iconic symbol for Public Enemy. The Luke Cage TV show, Public Enemy music was played in it. He's wearing a t-shirt. The Boys TV show on Amazon, the most recent TV show, like season two, one of the characters wearing a Public Enemy t-shirt. Even in Black Panther, the beginning of the film, in one of the apartments, you see a Public Enemy poster. Their influence is everywhere. Chuck D is the co-founder of the group. He is a creative visionary who continues to fight the power to this day. And I'm incredibly honored, privileged, and grateful for the chance to speak to the man himself for the first ever episode of the Hip Hop Raise Me podcast. Chuck D, how you doing? Chuck D, the great. You must be in your ha haven, you know, being able to have your studio, your Zooms, <laughs> spot, man. You know, we just, we got we to gotta have a little analog up in here sometimes. <laughs> I mean, this, this is like my HQ. I do everything from here, podcasts, radio shows, music. Um, yeah. Planning, plotting, everything. So I think with the whole lockdown situation, it affects people in different ways. For me, I was like, it's nonstop. Like, I, I refuse to be, you know, yeah. silent. Or, you know, we've got to keep it moving. We've got to keep going. So, Well, especially you, man. I mean, everything you've done in your life is against the grain, man. To persevere through the odds, man. So this thing right here, you're seeing a lot of people that don't have your resolve around you. And you're probably there to, to help them pick themselves up yeah no definitely how, how do you how have you managed to maintain through the lockdown like how's it affected yourself and the band like well number one i made it my my decision last four years with profits of rage i was you know 60 some countries four million people playing in front of you know records you know album releases and then on my independent label spit slam records and then rap station doing everything from the road my radio show weekly everywhere so, I mean, getting acclimated and Flavor didn't want to do no more independent records. So that's why the Def Jam thing was, was, was a good settlement to say, okay, bro, we'll, mm. we'll, we'll, we'll land at Def Jam for, for a great visit. Um, mm. but, uh, but I've already been busy with albums and records and Enemy Radio was like the DJ MC component of Public Enemy with mm. Jahi and Lord, and uh, we released a record um, produced by David C. Doc Snyder, an audiovisual wonder kind that came out in April and, and Flavor blessed us with a song on there, but it's really a part of PE, you know? Mm. And uh, we have different parts of PE that work independently, but with Public Enemy, it was like, okay, 
uh, we'll do something with Def Jam and Flavor's Adamant that, you know, it's Chuck D and Flavor Flav and then everything else afterwards <laughs> on that. So <laughs> I've been busier than ever. Um, when I turned 55, it was a revisitation in, in a, my art world. First 25 mm -hmm. years of my, my life, I was in the fine arts and graphic arts. I mean, this is like a piece of, you know, I mean, so I've been in this world anyway, but for the 26 on to 55, it was the music side of the art world. And mm -hmm. um, although I did, did art, I mean, everything from logos and mm -hmm. helped develop the first graphic departments for rap music and hip hop, because I thought we could compete with rock groups, the way mm -hmm. they visually promoted their thing. Um, you know, it's all part of the arts, man. And then, and then being who you are, you ought to be who you are through the art. So I am, you know, who I am, born and raised in 1960 from New York, black consciousness, raised as, as you know, as an independent art soul. And then all the things I got involved with that. Then my, my dad passed in, in 2016, and then that took me in a trajectory back into the art. So I've been mm -hmm. always busy with this whole make the most out of your time and um, never let a second go without creating, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know how you feel and that's how <laughs> I feel. I mean, that's what I mean, come through, you know, kindred spirits. I mean, me and Primo, DJ Premier, same mm -hmm. type of energy of never stop the art, man. Mm -hmm. Never stop, you know, trying to push hip hop forward. And out of that mm -hmm. spawned this thing that we said, okay, we can make a statement for this particular moment. Quest Love um, with the Fight to Power 2000 remix, you know, Quest Love, Black Thought, Nas, Rhapsody, um, Jahi, who's been with, with, you know, with us since 2006, 2007, and, and also um, YG. I mean, right there, that idea comes out of, you know, Quest Love saying we're gonna make this happen. You know, I'm the I'm the mm. unofficial extra member of Public Enemy. And so, <laughs> you know, when you see something that's exciting that speaks to the moment, you'd be a stupid fool to fight against it. And if somebody says, Oh man, it needs to be a song for this moment, those brothers they and sisters, they made it happen. So go with the flow. Mm. And um, especially young energy is the truth to power, and young energy is the leadership. And I don't think old energy is a leadership. So whenever in the United States we see dudes running for president and they 78, 79, 76 years old, man, I say, that's just not how it's supposed to be. And you saw mm -hmm. a lot of people take to the streets and a lot of youthful energy said, listen, we're going we're gonna to do what we think is right in this, in this uh, situation. So it, it all rolled up out of that. It feels like a lot of things came full circle in 2020. It's, it's a very 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 crazy year and you know that saying um the more things change the more they stay the same it i mean it, it kind of felt like that with with what's been going on and even with what you were just recapping about with your own life and you know what public enemy has done and it's it's crazy because i think and I, I never thought i'd ever see fight the power remix never i never i never even i never even entertained i never even tried to comp it just never so when i heard about it i was like wow that's crazy. But was it Questlove who was like, um, "Yeah, y'all got an idea." He came up with the idea. Yeah, yeah. I think BT. You know, if I had my battles with BT or their philosophy or what they are, but you know, these play. It's just like record companies. You know, they change leadership and ownership, and, mm. and all of a sudden they got a different crew of people running the, where they think it should go. 
So I didn't fight that when they said that this is the idea that they think this should happen. And then Quest Love was putting it together. I'm not going to fight Quest on anything because his his mentality of what it should be is always going to be right. He's not going to mishandle the ball. I would be an idiot to resist that. That when when things are flowing in the positive forward direction, why are you going to fight that? And mm-hmm. The thing about having wisdom, understanding some knowledge at the age and stage that I'm at, you, you recognize that energy, you go with that flow. If it goes in the opposite direction of what you're about, then you might come in and say, ah, but no, why, mm-hmm. why even do that? I think mm-hmm. too many times in music, people have made mistakes of not trying to go with a particular flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with a flow with, with Anthrax when they wanted to do Bring the Noise. Mm-hmm. I first resisted, then I'm like, ah, yeah. And then mm-hmm. when you saw things like on TV, like should Natalie Cole do Unforgettable with all the technology that allows her to do it with mm-hmm. her father, you go against that or you'll go with it, you know? And she mm-hmm. went for it, having to be the, the best thing of, of her life, you know, musically mm-hmm. and culturally, that she never regretted. So this was that moment. And more than any other new song, they felt that this song could speak to this moment in a new way with new energies and, and um, some younger energies evolved. So, I, yeah, why not, right? So who put together, like, the wish list of artists? Was that a combination thing or was Questlove like, yo, Chuck, I've got you, man. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Leave it with me. Pretty I'll- much. That's how, that's, you know how Quest operates, Simtex. It's like, I, I, I got you. I got right. you. And not only do I got you, I need you to do this, you know, that type of thing. Right, right, right. right. But, but you know right. what? I mean, Tex, you know that this is not 1989. The biggest difference between 1989 and 1990 with Fear of a Black Planet is that people mm-hmm. have been born and people have died. It's a mm-hmm. long time culturally. It's a short time in real life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we've seen music go from something that's audible, mm-hmm. what you hear, to something that you experience in sight, sound, story, and style. I do feel that people listen today a little bit too much with their eyes. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, as a DJ, you could play a sound and somebody just might go right through them. You're like, yo, you don't hear this? Mm. Because they experience in a whole different, you know, panoramic, you know, multi-dimensional way. They don't hear Mm. the same way. People don't listen like they Mm. used to they kind of experience it and people kind of listen through their eyes. Mm. So that's why you can also trick people They're like three card money. Like, yeah, this is what you see, right? This, you sure you see it? You <laughs> yeah, sure yeah, you yeah, see yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. meanwhile, yeah. the audibles could be saying a whole different thing that they're not hearing or, or they can't mm. take it in to untwist. Mm. And this is why you see things like, you know, people rise up in propaganda to the top of what? Mm to the top of societies like like the, the presidents uh, in, in this damn country. Mm. You know, how did he get in there? I knew, mm. knew about this dude since I was a, you know, person in my 20s and late teens from New York that was a huckster, real estate mm. huckster. He's a, a half-baked celebrity, you know. Mm. Um, what the hell? Owned a, you know, bunch of football teams and all that on the, on the brink. Mm. Cool, whatever, man. But this dude's now a president, and we got to be accountable mm. to that. That's caused a lot of people listening with their eyes, mm. getting propaganda seeping in. It seems it looks right. It seems like it's all right for the moment. Now it seems like it's in counter to what mm. we've been getting, which I'm not going to accept anyway. For like the eight years before, you know, 45 got in. 
they was like, all right, you're still going to have people just in, in, in denial and also, you know, hooked into uh, to the core of racism. So, I mean, these are different times. You as a DJ, you, you saw it go from you being a DJ audibly to you being a visual mm. DJ visually, then audibly, visually first, then audibly. Then mm. now story and style and experiences are all got to be added into the mm. mix. That's what has made this uh, a thing of when people talk about like recording artists, I'm like, I laugh at that. I said, yeah, recording artists, you could call a musician 40 years ago when it was simple. I make some sounds, mm. you get some sounds, and then you use your imagination based on what I gave you. Boom, mm. that's simple. Today, a recording artist is everybody that decides to engage with a gadget. That's mm. a recording, right? Mm. So everybody's yeah. a recording artist right now. Mm. And everybody's talking and, and, and doing their thing at the same time. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. I said to someone recently, and I said it to a couple of people, like, I, I don't know any artist today that would have the guts to bring out something like Fight the Power. And when you look back at the video and the fact of what you was doing in the street, you know, it was, it was a protest, you got the science and everything, you know, you had dancers and, and, and again, it's like, it, it's like, it's kind of happening today, you know. What was it like when you took a project like Fear of a Black Planet to a label and was like, this is the concept, this is the artwork, this is what we're saying. I, I don't know how that would go down today. I don't, I don't know how too many people have my story, Simtex. My story came in is that Rick Rubin chased me down for two years from 1984 with the fledgling new label that he started, 85 and then 86 when I finally signed to get me to do records. That's the story. You can't find too many stories like mine. What I had done in radio and what I had done with my voice, with my crew, was, was kind of unprecedented. Rick wanted that to be the piece that all, he already had with LL Cool J and the Beastie Boys. I rejected that. First black executive with Def Jam, Bill Stephanie, was a classmate of mine. You know, he went over there and Rick Rubin told Bill, if he doesn't get me to come to Def Jam, he's fired. <laughs> The guy, the, listen, the guy, the guy that went over to Def Jam before me to build a relationship was Dre, Andre Brown, Dr. Dre. Not the West Coast Dr. Dre, yeah. all, the Yo MTV yeah. Raps East Coast Dr. Dre, the, the mm -hmm. inventor of the 808 kick in Miami bass and then hip hop records still used to today. You know, Dre mm -hmm. helped invent that out of the rolling. It was, yeah, on, yeah, the yeah. It was on the machine, but he used it. Showing Rick, who used it the first time it was heard, it was on Together Forever by Run DMC. Boom, boom, and I say boom. I remember the first day he came in and showed, you know, Keith Shockley, you know, what he was going to do with this rolling machine, and, and he made subsequent singles for Def Jam, Can You Feel It, Acknowledge Me, and then 
pump that bass. Many people forgot or never knew this, this fact. But he went over there to Def Jam, and Rick Rubin tried to get me to come over and say, why don't you just rhyme with original concept? I was like, nah, we got our own Spectrum City thing. It was cool. Mm. So, so Rick was in pursuit of me. Once we agreed to be with the Def Jam situation, it was like, I'll go there, if, you know, but I got to give you what I give you. And I can't be have anything tampered with. And that was the understanding. Well, the record deal financially wasn't 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 crap, but but at least artistically and culturally, I said, yeah, I'm gonna make very weird, obtuse displays. <laughs> at least I wanted to. I have a team, they might think differently, but this is what I'm I'm you know, I was known for the person that would take, you know, the wildest track and rhyme to it. So it wasn't nothing that, that was based on whether you could feel it or not. I'm just going to get, I mean, Public Enemy number one, and you just think about 1984, how weird that was. Even in, even in 2020, it's like, huh? In 1984, mm -hmm. it was totally weird. And the, the beginning of that came from when DJs used to spin Blow Your Head in the roller rink with that, and Roosevelt roller rink, they couldn't hold the break. It was nothing right. to extend the break. And in my mind for years, I was like, if only that break could extend. But my weird yeah. way of what moved me was rather punkish in a way. And I said, that's something I could make. If I ever got to rhyme on that, it's something that my girlfriend wouldn't like. And I said, mm -hmm. the minute, you know, that she likes a record or something that I do, the minute that she likes it, that means it's time for me to not do it no more because mm. I'm trying to make something that she hate. And that's where public enemy number one <laughs> comes out of that. I mean, running, I mean, it, right. it would just, it would drive a person crazy. And I love that. I love yeah. that you drive around the car and blast, you know, just blast noise. That's where the noise yeah. aspect comes. So long story short, Simtex, is thing, the thing is, it's like there was no way that somebody had my story to come in doing what I wanted to do because I realized that the importance of hip hop was more than popularity. Mm. And even when we revisited Def Jam this time around, the point for me, I said, okay, Flavor, we're gonna, we're gonna stop at Def Jam, do something major league, not independent. Mm. But Def Jam had to know that, I asked him a question, at what point to y'all is importance rival or greater than popularity? Because mm -hmm. you best to believe you go down to Sony and you, if you go in that building and want to walk into that vault with Bob Dylan tapes, man, they won't just call the cops on you. They'll, they'll probably take your head off. And Bob <laughs> Dylan ain't, he, Bob Dylan's songs don't rise up charts like, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, hardly ever. They mm -hmm. were groundbreaking. They were they're important to that building. So Public Enemy with Def Jam is important to that building, not popular. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be popular. Mm -hmm. So when everybody says, I don't know if this could ever take place, like fight the power could ever take place now, probably not. I mean, got to know where, you know, what, what is the alpha in it? And that's what it was full circle, making Public Enemy number one right. uh, on the album. Uh, to me, that was the joy of, of this piece, uh, what you're going to do when the grid goes down. Oh, there's a lot of joys because it's a help from a lot of friends. But I passed the tape for a WBAU promo to Dre, who's mm. doing his radio show over the lap of Jam Master J, who puts it in and then the Beastie Boys, MCA, Ad Rock, Mike D, Run, DMC and J, Hurricane, take it, Davey D, take it on their tours.
Wow. Asking me to come in and record and be part of that thing at Def Jam. Without Public Enemy, number one, you don't have Chuck D, Public Enemy, and also uh, our thing with, uh, with Def Jam. So that's why mm. I'm coming full circle, asking the surviving members of Run DMC, Run and DMC, and them being excited about it, mm. um, Mike D and Ad Rock, and also paying homage to um, MCA, Jam Master mm. J, and LL Cool J, um, and having Terminator scratch on it as well as DJ Lord, it was full circle for me and it, and it felt great. And mm -hmm. I just think sometimes in hip hop, we do things that mean something and nothing personally means more in my writing of, of Public Enemy songs than Public Enemy number one. And, and having Flavor do the first verse of it is perfect. How did that conversation start about going back to Def Jam because over it, the years... Simtex, <laughs> yo, dog, I'm, we, we need to do something at Def Jam. All right, that's it. <laughs> wow. Flavor ain't going to do it. Listen, man, he was like, I'm not doing no independent records. So, I mean, everybody like, oh, Chuck D and Flavor. You're not going to get Chuck D and Flavor on a record unless both sides are happy. So I'm like, I wasn't mm -hmm. opposed to it. So Def Jam... Mm -hmm. Is I'm glad it was Def Jam as opposed to like anywhere else. So it made it a full circle thing, you know. You know, like with Def Jam, there's generations of staff who are, at times have been equally as legendary as the artists, you know, for some of the moves that they made or what they've done. So who is the conversation with though? Like I, I'm just fascinated. I just want to know like how I don't know how that door opened. All I know, all I all I I don't I don't know about any of all. You know, when we said cool and then they threw it around. I know the relationship I knew before um, is Jeff Holliston is David Holliston's brother who I knew from before. And it was always a welcome and great, you know, experience. And it started from there. These guys started as lawyers and all that. And um, from Rosenberg and all the other guys um, in relationships with, you know, people we know and imagine people mm -hmm. like that's fine. But the bottom line is that, you know, at the helm, you know, um, you know, some people that you know, there's all these places are different than, than they were five years ago. But Jeff mm -hmm. Holliston there uh, was something that made me draw a connection, you know, to right. David Holliston and back in the day. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. Remember, these, these guys are the lawyers that had to sort out all the stuff, man. Right. <laughs> Yo, some joints that touch me more, like, than anything else. And I really like the joint um, yesterday, man. Yeah, Daddy-O, I think Daddy-O from Stetson Sonic, who also records on the subsidiary of our label, Spit Slam, his, his subsidiary is called Oh Dad Truth. He's done, man, five albums in the last four years, man, that have all been bangers. And to me, there's, he's one of the all-time greats. And it's very happy to have a mm -hmm. goat like, like Daddy-O involved. And yesterday, man, just speaks to, you know, speaks that there's something something to do with you know with how we got news before you know coming mm. through the grapevine you know what i'm saying mm. asking questions and you know the past kind of dictates the future but my thing is daddy o to me is he's the dude with five albums in the last four years that says you know what being an mc <laughs> over 40 and 50 years old there's, there's a spot there's a place for that mm. i'm not going to necessarily be sounding like you know some some dude in the lunchroom at, at, at a high school that's not me but i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna be a problem 
as an MC mm -hmm. for anybody, you know, at any age. And this is the area that I do my thing in. And Daddy O is, is <laughs> it's, it's, I mm -hmm. seriously, man, it, it, there's, there's few people at his stage and age that are delivering any fire that's even comparable. He's amazing. He's always been amazing, but you know, he, I think he's putting together another Stetsasonic album. So he right. knows he knows his lane. Yeah. And he knows who he is and what he's going to say. Yeah. And um yesterday man is 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 a, a great combination to gear up with him. I like the joint rest in beats. You know, yeah. it's it's kind of it's, it's not it's, upgraded. It's made a couple of years ago. Um uh, and since then, we've lost. I mean, you can make yeah. it. It could be almost like you know, like when um, with my man uh, Skills in Virginia, mm -hmm. when he does his yeah. year in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, yeah. somebody could do a resting beats every year, man. Because mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's the age categories that that rap and and culture and black music has moved into. Unfortunately, it's it's, it's, it's kind of surreal being a DJ within hip hop and. You know, when you see someone that you supported and played that music, right. and then I had, you know, it, it used to be that you'd find out through MTV or you know, you'd find out on a radio yeah. show like a day later. Now it's like you, you find out everything from TMZ. I hate it, you know. And <sighs> yeah, with, well, not, are you sure everything? Every TMZ is on everything. You sure? Well, it's like even even like with with Pop Smoke, like he's a very very yeah. dope artist, and that. You know, I supported him from the beginning, from the first track, and then we did a show with him. Then I did the interview with him, and then, yo, a week later, yo, we're saying rest in peace, rest in peace. I couldn't believe it, and and yeah. I think it's hard for the kids as well because the kids, it's like people are like, yeah, this is their two pack and their biggie, and I, I think it's deeper than that. I think, I think it, I think it hits them harder than that. It, I don't think people deal with it differently. Well, I know, I know, and I know you felt this too. I know Nipsey Hustle last yeah, yeah. year really struck yeah. deep in a lot of young people. Definitely. And um, as somebody we supported, you know, from, you know, from his independent mixtapes on up. And then uh, hmm. I think Nipsey wanted to, his name, his name was put up as being somebody who was going to go around as a support act or, or public enemy tour, I think we chose somebody else or decided not to do the tour or whatever. So those things pop up in your head. Man, we could have toured mm. with him or could have had him mm. come along. And, you know, that happens, you know. Mm. But uh, when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's so important. And then in his own neighborhood by somebody who was envious, jealous, mm. or had his own mm. mind made up of what, what he thought had to happen. And that that to, to me is unfortunate, you know. I mean, that, I mean, just just that combination of, of a lot of people just just going. Mm -hmm. that, that's hard. And Flavor did a, another ad addition to that R.I.P. Black Cat. So you have two songs that cap out the album, just by saying, mm -hmm. you know, rest in beats, rest in peace. Flavor mm -hmm. felt it was necessary to talk about Black Cat, who one particular time kind of like kind of saved him saved it where he was at in his life and told him mm. just to move on down to Houston and stay with him a while. Don't worry about the coastlines and, and um, you know, yeah. You know, Chuck, yourself and Public Enemy, you've made history, you've changed people's lives and you've been part of the direction of hip hop. You, you've, you guys have been founders in laying the foundation bricks, stones of hip hop. 
how, how does it feel to see newer generations so that like we just discussed like you know we lo- you know we, we lost pop smoke we lost um juice world extentacion we lost a lot of these guys in the same time and it's like i, I don't think i've ever seen so many artists go uh, within a similar period at any given time but and then you know we see the discussions about mental health you, you've seen what happened with kanye and what you know what's been going on with him in social media and, how does that feel to you as somebody who came through? It's like, I don't, I don't know how, how we protect the artist. Yeah. For me, it's frustrating, you know, because it's like, I want everybody to win. I want everybody to be, be good. But, you know, I don't, I don't know how, does it frustrate you in any way or any sense? Because, you know, you, can, you see the pitfalls before they fall into them. You know the new norm is, is some sometimes could could lead you in the in the darker territories. I tend to always not when this came along to use it as a tool as opposed to a toy. But at my age and stage at the particular time, I knew my uses of this was going to be primarily as a tool because I because I know what a toy is. But you got people that have grown up into it, and right now, you know, you take something like the quote. Plan- pandemic or you want to call it a pandemic regardless of the fact mm-hmm. it's the reality of what you got to go through this gadget now because mm-hmm. we're now netizens as much if not more than we were citizens if we were even that so even mm-hmm. if we were considered citizens one thing they've, they've labeled you as a netizen and a lot of the times the fact is that yeah people listen a little bit too much with their eyes but one thing that they will hear, they'll hear some negative or negativity or many cases of our situation, negativity, which goes in the, the grain of white supremacy to make you always feel bad about yourself. And a lot of that else is out there. So deflect a lot of this, you kind of need to be taught. We kind of need to be taught how to be net literate. We kind of need social media classes to know how to fight off the, the radiation that permeates out of these things where it has everybody talking at the same time, but who do you believe? When I did mm-hmm. Don't Believe the Hype in 1988 off a theory by a dude named Noam Chomsky that I studied in college, it wasn't to say don't believe everything, but it was like kind of challenge information. Mm-hmm. Once you get in an area, I don't believe it, I don't believe nothing. It's like, you got to believe something. Mm-hmm. Once you say, I don't believe anything, then you, you will take what sticks to you real quick if it appeals to you, which might be the mm-hmm. furthest thing from the truth that you mm-hmm. might end up calling truth. Mm-hmm. That's something to watch out for. This is what leads into fascism. This is what leads right. into all these situations as they, they, they say can't come back. Yes, they can return in new ways to new people disguised. Mm-hmm. This is only a, a, if a person doesn't know history, even if you don't study the arts, because a lot of history is in the arts, whether it's theater, films, biographies, or whatever, you got to be able to see the breadcrumbs in, in the past lives to be able to say, look out for that. Oh, mm-hmm. no, I don't see how, I don't see how it's, you, then you, the wise person is going to connect the dots and say, nah, they pulling that same bullshit. That's the same thing mm-hmm. that they pull in jaws. Rap and hip hop used to be able to untangle the twist mm-hmm. a lot easier. But then if it also makes the twist, can it untangle it? Is everything going to be um, caught up in the mix like that? So that, that is something that will lead 
to what we're seeing now. There is mental illness. You add that pan pandemic, whatever, and then mm. lock people in their houses for half a year. What you gonna do when the grid goes down? Mm. That was, you know, I use the platform of an album not to say, boom, here's an album. We listen to records, we listen to sounds different today. Know what your platform is for. It's to ask the question of preparedness. Are you prepared for the tricks that governments play on people to confuse them and disorientate them? That's what we would happen to use the whole album for. Is that message in the album telling you about how to prepare? No, not exactly. You should figure out what to do to prepare yourself for the tricks that governments play. You know, I'm a culturalist, I'm an earthicin. You know, I know that culture brings us together for our similarities, no matter who we are, where we are in the world, knocks aside the differences. Hip hop is as nothing better than hip hop in doing that and has done that. Governments mm -hmm. like to split people up, categorize it, you know, categorize human beings, put them in categories and, 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 and little boxes. And it's like, what are you? Where you come from? What's your race? Fill out the blanks and all that so they can figure out how to put you in a the box. Then they really going to lock you in a the box. They get passport away. You can't go anywhere else in the world. Stay inside for your own safety. You got something that if it keeps going on, it starts smelling like fascism. And it, it feels like it's kind of like what they always wanted, cashless society, <laughs> DNA database. It's like everything rolled into one. But, 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 this one but this is what I'm saying, Simtek. The, the key with the great storytellers and the culturalists is that we identify the ubiquitous they. Mm. After a while, we use they so much. It's like, yeah, it's what they wanted. You said that they, <laughs> and then we, we lose the fact of who the they is. And the yeah. day is always moving like yeah, shady, yeah, yeah. you know, shadiest shadows of day. Yeah. Where the music and the culture at its best, like Bob Marley, they identify. Mm. Um, what I like to see in my age of 60 as an artist and as a culturalist, <clears throat> I like to gravitate in hip hop to what Bob Marley attempted and always did in, in reggae music around the world. He did mm. not go forward without expressing peace and love and, and, and fight for what's right, but also collectively, you know, fight for what's right the best way you know how, but not foolishly. And mm -hmm. um, that's what I got out of Bob Marley. That's what I get out of Bob Marley today. Bob Marley is, is a perfect cultural fighting benchmark, roadmap, mm -hmm. GPS for, for what, where we can go with art, especially if you, you know, 40 and over. You know, the last time we, we connected, we talked about Barack Obama. Um, I've seen you support Bernie Sanders. I've seen you, you know, you congratulated Kamala Harris. How easy is it to support a politician, though? Because, you know, <laughs> as time goes on, I'm like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, the beginning of the year, I was at a Bernie Sanders rally. Why? Because... I don't believe in no two-party system, bro. And I involved myself sort of like, like there needs to be a third or fourth party. And I involved myself in the Green Party years ago when Ralph Nader called me. But really when Sister Cynthia McKinney from Georgia and Rosa Clemente ran for president in 2007. But then again, math, it was speaking. So when math and simplicity of the United States spoke, it was like, okay, I got to go with the, with, with the President Obama move but there needs to be the Green Party. So when I did it for Bernie Sanders 
it was the Green Party and also just basic values and, and, and principles that nobody else was talking about. Hmm. I became a grandfather. Automatically, my daughter's got to figure out childcare. I have elders, my mother <clears throat> 80, my father passed. What's the healthcare looking like in the United States? I'm helping both of those situations. Talk to me. You know what I'm saying? It's easy for somebody to come from the side pocket and say, oh, man, none of that's going to work. Okay, who's going to feed people in your surroundings even when you take your, your, your spirit and you want to fight? At the end of the day, somebody's got to take an S, a shit, and somebody's got to eat. <laughs> you better figure out where they can yeah. take a comfortable shit and where they're going to yeah. eat. I mean, but, yeah. but these are the answers that leaders have. I'm a firm believer that government and authorities should have a retirement age of 65, but that means they got to train their leadership to be 40 to 60 hard. You can't tell, tell people that they can be lazy on being an adult up to 30 or 40 years old, but also mm -hmm. at the same time, if a war breaks out, send them to war at 18. <laughs> I mean, you got to say, all right, you're part of the leadership, but you got mm -hmm. the older generations that don't want to pass the baton to younger leadership. And mm -hmm. no more is it ever prevalent the United States right about now looking at a 78-year-old guy running against a 75-year-old person. Crazy. Yeah. I, I do believe that there, if, if the position of the United States is benign, don't mean nothing, skull and bones and all this other stuff going on with it, then I believe that that person should at least be a symbol of energy. And I do believe uh, a symbol of energy being a black woman Kamala Harris is a symbol I can, I can roll with. I mean, Simtex, too short said it best, man. He said, males and fucked up. It's, it's, uh, women got to step up. And if women can step up and not necessarily be drowned by the attractiveness of white supremacy, then it could be a better world model ahead of us. But um, I'm a firm believer that the males and fucked it up. I'm a DJ from the UK. Grown up on hip hop, massive fan of Cool Academy. And anytime you've been to the UK, you know, you've done shows and stuff, you, you know what's going on. Like when you come to each city, you know, you take the time out to know about the current affairs that have affected the UK or that particular city at that moment in time. Just for people who may not know, how important is the UK to public enemy? London and the UK is public enemy's base. You know, it's always been. It was before we were popular in the United States. And a lot of times when people talk about, oh man, you know, international hip hop's probably come up. They say that every 10 years, bro. Like, <laughs> like it's a revelation. I say it's a revelation to you, but it's, it's been happening. The minute we made Takes a Nation of Millions to hold us back, that was the significant moment that there is shit going on somewhere else other than the United States that's bigger than your enthusiasm. It, it starts right there. It's evidence. It's, it's, right there in, it's right there in the wax that that's our base. That's the first place that took us on in the Obama Ruster show. And the first place that saluted us and takes a nation of millions to hold us back. And then the United States. Yes, we're from Long Island. We're from New York. We're all that. We understood all that. We go to all other places in the world. But it always has been our base. Knowing that is, our, is it our base that we dominate over the space? The public enemy's whole message is like, we'll lay the groundwork and everybody do their thing. You know, mm -hmm. uh, big up like the kingdom, you know, who, who just lost their very key, you know, 
godly member this this year. So I mean, the, you know, the lay grounds for we would go to the UK. It says not about us. It's about you guys doing your thing, man. The way you see fit. Don't 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 try to follow New Yorkers or follow West Coast accent. It's a little bit to follow, but do your thing. I mean, cats like London Posse, Hijack, you know. Mm-hmm. Women rappers from We Papa Girl rappers and and the She Rockers and and Moni Love. I mean, we tell them that do you, and if you do you, we salute you, and we'll open up for you one day. It's about you. So the Dizzy Rascals and all the cat cats who've come in and created their own twenty year catalogs and that you know we're like keep going. It's all about yeah, do your thing, man. Um, the biggest, biggest thing like I've done that my joy is a rap station where we have 10 station channels and we go in on promoting. I, to this day, I do my radio show. It's right here. <laughs> you know, I promote <laughs> artists, you know, like, you know, Caxton press. I mean, one year I was going hard on Caxton press and, and, and Amy true and, I mean, cats, I was like, go get it, get it, go, and mm. then support it as much as we can and tell people, like, mm. it's the importance of what you do. It can't be quantified. So mm. that's what has always turned a person like me on about hip-hop is there's so many other places to be saluted. And Daddy-O feels the same way, too. That's why we're kin- kindred spirits. And also Jahi, DJ Lloyd, we feel the same, that the rap's discovery is, is, is its beauty. And we 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 only exist is to make the path wider so people could do their thing and do it bigger, way bigger than us. Hmm. Well, look, man, yo, I appreciate this. You know, it's um, we we can't be stopped, right? Like regardless. Of the nah, man, that's what we do, yo. Big up the primo, man. Pre- yo, primos at work twenty three hours a day, and you and him the same spirit. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm twenty two <laughs> hours a day because I'm a little older. But I mean, this is what we do, man. It is nothing better than this. I mean, why, why? I mean, we're not going to be stopped by being locked inside because we're never going to be locked inside. Mm. You know, so that, that's that's where that joy comes from. And then, and once again, thanks again for allowing me the pleasure to to open up your book. That everybody always seems that when they look on my shelf, they want to borrow and keep it, and I want to slap them and say, "Never <laughs> you to take that book off the shelf and put it right back on that shelf." Thank you. Look, stay safe, man. And no doubt we'll connect when we're traveling again. So Yeah, man. We'll stay yeah, man. Right. And yeah, man. congrats on the album. I'm going to be blazing it on my show. Like, I've got you out here always. So, Oh, um, man, you. just do what you feel. We're, we're, we're going to make special um, versions uh, of, like, the 12 inch version. Of course, you know, out where you are, especially, man, make sure them curses are out. We'll make sure them curses are mm-hmm. out. You'll get a nice little package to, to, to have, have some fun with, you know. I mean, oh, I mean, don't feel obligated, man. This is me and you, man. It's whatever you feel. Yeah. No, no, no. I've got you, man. I've got you. All right. I got you. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot. All right, bro.